Parathia Bold, you know me as Tracer from Overwatch, and you're listening to the Legends in My Spare Time podcast. Hey there, this is everyone's favorite women's champion, Mickey James, and you are listening to Legend in My Spare Time podcast. Hi, this is Carl Weathers, and you're listening to Legend in My Spare Time podcast. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson from Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard, and you're listening to Legend in My Spare Time. Legend in My Spare Time contains themes and subjects that may not be suitable for everyone listening. If you're easily offended, we suggest you get your podcast on elsewhere. Legend in My Spare All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to a special edition of your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. That's right, Legend in my spare time. We are at Legend Podcast on Twitter. Make sure you follow us there with that hashtag L-I-M-S-T. Now, you may have read through social media that currently the show is on a little bit of a hiatus. few minor personal and family issues to deal with. Nothing too serious. Everything's going to be just fine. You just need a little bit of downtime. But it doesn't stop me from being able to release this special episode I recorded live in front of a studio audience when fantasy science fiction author Colin R. Parsons invited your boy Lizzie to come on down and host the book launch for his fantastic new novel named Ghosted. What's it about? You're going to have to find out. We go go into it in depth. Spoiler free, of course. Here during this conversation, we also take questions from the live audience. And we have a good old friendly chat, if I do say so myself. Colin R. Parsons was the guest. I was the host. We lifted our restraining orders on each other for just one night. I'm just kidding. I'd never lift my restraining order on him. Anyway, give it a listen. The book Ghosted is available right now on Amazon or wherever you order your books. It's coming soon to digital. Check out Colin R. Parsons and all his fantastic books. I believe it's 10 now. And we also want to say to Colin, congratulations on recently celebrating five years as an independently employed author. Congratulations, sir. We're proud of you. We're happy for you from all your friends here at Legend in My Spare Time. And to all you loyal listeners, me and your auntie, Just John, we will be back very soon. Fear not, dear listeners. But for right now, check out this tape from the Ghosted Book Launch, live from the Glamorgan Hotel in the haunted South Wales Valleys, with myself, Colin R. Parsons, discussing Ghosted. Forgot to hit record at the beginning, so we're joined in progress as Colin is giving us a little bit of his history. Understand? I've, I've worked in building sites. I've, I've driven trucks and done <laughs> driven trucks and done deliveries. Worked in factories and warehousing. Um, one day, I decided to start writing again, short stories. Um, we did have. I got two sons. One of them is actually running the Facebook Live at the back of the uh, the room today. Uh, Christopher, Ryan, my youngest boy, uh, he was falling behind his English. Now, I've, I live in the Ronda. I have lived in the Ronda all my life. Um, I used to go to a school which they've actually flattened now. It's called Williamstown Primary School. Uh, Ryan, my youngest boy, was falling behind in his English. He was playing rugby and football, and he was also playing um, 
well, rugby and football and watching movies and that kind of thing. And he wasn't reading enough. Playing video games, Xbox, that kind of thing. So um, the short stories that I had at the time, uh, I needed editing and proofread and corrections. So uh, the head of English for Williamstown Primary, who is now, I think, the head of um, Williamstown Primary School, she used to proofread and edit all my stuff. She then um, called us in one day for a parent-teacher meeting, which is always scary. Sitting in front of your teachers, I got one here today, and sitting in front of the teachers, you've got the table between you and that kind of thing. And she said, Ryan, his grades are dropping. He needs to start reading more. And I said, look, I, I've got loads of books in the bedroom. I've read a couple of them. Uh, I just can't get him to read. What do I do? Well, she said, look, I've read all your short stories. Why don't you write him a book? And I said, I haven't got a clue, to be honest. As all I know how to do is to write short stories. So all I did is I wrote 10 short stories, but I linked the characters and the plot. I turned the short stories into chapters. Um, I went on the internet and I googled. Uh, I, uh, it was a wizarding adventure because uh, Ryan loved wizards and that kind of thing. Lord of the Rings and Merlin. So I googled because I thought wizards came from um, the tower in the castle, normally a, a king's sidekick. So I thought, well, wizards live in kingdoms. Tapped in Google, wizards kingdom, being totally naive at the time. And what came back to me was wizards of the lost kingdom, lost kingdom wizards, wizards and witches, Merlin. So I had the title, I had all the stories. My best friend's an artist, his name's Derek Jones. He did um, all the drawings for Wizards Kingdom, which is an illustrated series. Sent them off to all the publishers. Eventually got picked up by a vanity publisher at the time, called Athena Press. They said I'd sell 50 copies at best. Um, 23,000 copies later, uh, I proved that wrong. So it went on from there, I went to, I got the Wizards Kingdom series going and then the Curious World series. And I ended up with a traditional deal with um, the last three books, which is House of Dark, Disc and Ghosted. So um, I kind of, I was lucky because there was a, sh a bookshop that came in called Borders. I think we had one in Swansea, we, got, uh, we had one in Talbot Green. They wanted a children's author to open the children's section. So I had this little purple book called Wizard's Kingdom. I did, um, they had two schools in, I did two talks. I sold a hundred books that weekend and I felt like a rock star, if I'm honest. <laughs> and I didn't realize that Borders had another 40 stores throughout the UK. The manager at the time said, um, okay, get in contact with all the other ones, we'll give you a good briefing. And I went from one to the other. My wife, over a 10 year period, we did 40 border stores, 40 Waterstones, 20 independents. In 10 years, we did 600 book signings, and I sold thousands and thousands of copies, and that's kind of how I turned into, uh, the Waterstones squeezed me out. They didn't want local authors, and borders went under. So I was lucky enough to get, get on board with authors abroad who booked me into schools, and here I am. Oh, I got you. I've just told you that. I don't believe in myself, if I'm honest. Well, as we said, I've done quite a few events with you now, and something that I think is really wonderful about it is you started writing to help your son. Yeah. You wanted him to be able to read better, so, you, so Colin wrote the stories for him. The positive karma out of that became a new career for yourself. Yeah. So you didn't do it because you wanted to be a a famous author or anything, you literally did it to help your son. Yeah, yeah. And I think that positive karma came back to you in the sense that you now get to live and breathe for your own books, which I think that part of the story has always been great to me. 
I've heard his stories a few times by now, folks, but I always love that portion of the story because, as I say, you did it for your, you did it for all the right reasons. Most people who want to do things like this don't do it for um, selfless reasons, but you definitely did, and that's I think my, I think that's my favorite part about Colin is his selflessness. Now, the side of that though is that you write creepy books. <laughs> so you meet him, you spend a conversation with him, you think, oh, I bet he writes lovely books about horses and angels and no 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 it's about demons and wizards and witches <laughs> were you always in was it literally because for ryan you wanted to go into wizards and witches did that lead you into sci-fi or did it just sort of was that always sort of in you i mean <clears throat> because ryan was into the lord of the rings thing and the merlin thing that i did the I, i've always loved wizards that kind of thing magic mythical fantasy but growing up we had I mean, I, I do this in all my school talks. We had three channels on our television, small 20-inch black and white, and there was a series I, th that I can remember called Time Tunnel, which was about, um, they invented this tunnel, you go in there, I mean, the special effects were awful, sparks and things instead of the, the Hollywood stuff you got these days, and they could go in different periods of time, like the Roman times, the dinosaur times, so I thought that was cool. Obviously, I, I was born in 1960, so in the 60s you had Doctor Who, and, I, and yep. that used to scare me to death, especially the Daleks. I can always remember oh, hiding yeah. behind the settee, yep. not realizing was, they were salt and pepper pots. <laughs> That's irrelevant, <laughs> isn't it? Which they were. Yep. Um, and I thought, wow. Um, and one, one thing was really strange was the fact that I went to see a film with my parents called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yep. And, and that man scared the life out of me, <laughs> by the way. That dude going around catching kids in a cage with a <laughs> Talk about scary. Lollipops, children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just no. gave me goosebumps. <laughs> but but they, in those days, they used to have an intermission halfway through. Yeah. Everyone remembers that. And they'd pause the film, and then they'd shut the curtains, but you could still see the film in the background. Yeah. And I was there, seven or eight, and this car was over the cliff, and it was paused over the cliff. And I didn't know anything about um, twists in stories. And I thought they were all going to crash and die, and that would be the end of it. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the intermission was for the uh, for the cinema to get their money for pop and crisps and, and ice creams and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So I was eating my walls ice cream, waiting for this curtains to open up, and then when the car went, it developed wings and a <laughs> propeller. And I thought, wow, I didn't expect that. And then Dick Van Dyke burst into song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Um, and and didn't he get stranded on the beach? And then the tide came in, it turned into a, a hovercraft. That's and right, I thought, yeah. you can do anything in these stories. Yeah. And that kind of pricked my, pricked my mind to sort of go into this kind of world. That yeah. you can go anywhere with it and it doesn't have to be factual. Yeah. As, a, as an artist, as a creator, is that daunting to you? That you can go anywhere because you sit in fr I imagine sitting in front of a white Microsoft Word page, it's blinking, and you're just thinking, right, where is this going to go? Is yeah. that scary? Because I was a musician when I was younger, and that was scary. You'd have an instrumental song, and they go, write whatever you want. That's more scary to me than... I think, I think yeah. it scares me if I don't know where I'm going. Right. Because I always use this as, a, as an example, but you can have an ant playing table tennis with a troll in the Gobi Desert, and the ant is winning, because it's pure fantasy. Yeah. And you can take it anywhere. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that um, you've got Tales of the Unexpected... Um, you've, you've got all these worlds where you can um, you can touch a wall, but the wall is actually gel, and you can step through into an, into another place. And I think, yeah. wow, where's that going to take you? Mm -hmm. And to, to be honest, to this day, I mean, in schools, 
they've got the thing of all the W's and H. Where, why, when, where, how. Right. And I use that now. Sure. And I think, okay, where am I? Oh, middle of the middle of a desert. Where am I going? Oh, uh, oh Tool Town. How am I going to get there? Oh, my jet-propelled motorbike. Yeah. And I, I'm building the story up as I'm doing it. And I'm yeah. thinking, I can take this anywhere. Any planet, underwater, um, into a castle, yeah. um, into a strange maze that moves around. And, and that's what I do. Yeah. And do you generally sit down and you have a lot of the plot points ready? Or do you sort of have a beginning and an end and you just shoot for it? It um, could be different every time as well. I have I'm sure no idea where I'm going. <laughs> and how I got this far, I just don't know. Because um, you support, I mean, J.K. Rowling, she had the beginning, the middle, of the end, she had all the characters, all yeah. the places. Yeah. And I'm kind of an orthodox because I, I, I literally don't know where I'm going. Mm. And I think, okay, I can add a trap door here. Yeah. I, I, I like watching movies and pinching ideas for movies. I like watching. Uh, not playing video games, but you can see the backgrounds and stuff in them. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got brilliant authors with all different ideas, taking things everywhere. Yeah. You, you've got different kind of, um, you know, motorways a lot of the time. And you've got these different places you can turn off to. Yeah. I mean, there's a slip road called Wide Open. I thought, wow, it never <laughs> shuts. There you go. It's yeah. wide open all the time. <laughs> so um, I, I take these little things. We went, there was a lay-by in England somewhere. And there was a, a lay-by called Whispers Lane. And I thought, Whispers Lane, what happens in there? Mm. See, people whisper to you in there and they tell you things. And then when you come out the other side, you've either gone mental or, or they've yeah. given you instructions to take you somewhere. Yeah. And that's kind of, kind yeah. of where it takes me. It's wonderful. You mentioned borrowing a little bit from inspiration from movies and TVs. Because when I read the new one, Ghosted, um, it's about four kids who get themselves into some trouble. We'll go into a bit more. I had a very Goonies vibe myself. Uh, we won't go into any spoilers or anything, but there is a segment of the of the book where the four kids are running around in a creepy basement in a school yeah. with flashlights and torches kind of goading each other and daring each other to go around the next corner and no, you go first. No, you go first. And for me, that was very realistic because that would be exactly what I would be doing. I'd be pushing the guy in front of me going, I'm not, I'm not going first. You go first. Um, but yeah, it's very, very Goonies-ish, adventure-ish, which I really enjoyed about it is the four kids, they get into trouble, like I said, but then they go on this crazy adventure, and uh, I wasn't sure whether they all liked each other. I wasn't sure whether they were all going to get along. And that's what I, there was a lot of depth to the character, I think, is where I'm going with that. Because I could tell the two boys, for example, they don't really like each other too much. Uh, and I thought it was very interesting. Did you have any uh, inspiration? Is it the kids you go and see at the shows that inspired you to write about these four young kids? <laughs> the four young kids in this story, one of them is called Megan. Yep. Funnily enough, my wife's middle name is Megan. Ah, uh, there you go. Inspiration. <laughs> my, um, there's a friend of mine, maybe in the audience. Uh, his name is Alan, and I've got Alan in there. Yep. And I've got Carol, yep. who's um, my wife's best friend. There and you go. School together. And I've got another guy in there, John, yep. which I kind of picked. I don't know, just pulled it from the background. Yep. Um, but I kind of... It's not so much the Goonies for me. Mm. I kind of like the Goonies, but yep. I like Readers of Lost Ark. Yeah, which is... Similar vein, isn't and, it? Definitely. I like bodies of people going through an adventure together, rather yeah. than one being stuck there. Yeah. Three or four people, and yeah, they yeah. get uh, they get lost where they go in. Um, yeah. And th there's there's a brilliant author out there, Canadian. Ah, there we go. His name is Kenneth Opal. Right. And he did a series called Airborne, and he's got uh, zeppelins, all these flying flying ships. He's got pirates. Yeah. Um, he's got, and he's done three books in a series. 
where one's in the sky, one goes to space, and they kind of like Raiders of the Lost Heart yeah, yeah. as well. And they've got trapdoors, and there's wheels and pulleys and cogs and engines. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a bad element in there, and they've mm -hmm. got to get past it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it enthuses me, and it makes yeah. me passionate to write. Yeah. And having wa people walking through dark corridors, and they don't know what's at the other end, and yeah. is it going to be like a, a door they've got to get through? Yeah. I, I, um, my wife loves this film that I've watched plenty of times, and she keeps telling me to bring, put it back on. It's called Cube. Right. I don't know if anybody's watched Cube, but mm. it's like a, a giant Rubik's Cube that's suspended in space. Right. And each room that opens up could have spikes in this room. The next room, they're all identical, but yeah. they've all got different dangers. Ah, right, and okay. I, I love that idea. Yeah. You don't know where you're getting into mm -hmm. and how you're going to get out of it. Yeah. And that's what kind of... Well, there are, th there are many moments in this story where you're, you're holding your breath thinking, don't go around that corner. <laughs> don't, this isn't going to go well. Why, it's dark in there. Why are you going in the dark? Don't go in the dark. I told you not to go in the dark room, but they don't listen to me. As much as I read the book, I'll read it again. I'll read the chapter again and go, this time, they're, no, they don't listen to me. So it's a, I'm sure a lot of you are going to be reading it or maybe reading it at the moment. Um, we, won't, we won't give any things away, but there are moments where I think, this isn't going to go well for these four kids. Things aren't going to come up rosy, I don't think. <laughs> well, what I, what I do, I lay the, I lay the story out. Right. I, I, saying I do 30 chapters, I lay out a thousand words per chapter. Yep. Throw them in there. I mean, yep. unedited not proofread anything, got all that foundation there. Yeah. And then you've got to dig into each character. You've got to, yeah. you know, what, what are their personalities like? Mm -hmm. Is one a bully? Uh, is one a bit meek and timid? Yeah. Um, is one a bit sporty or whatever? Yeah. And you're going to get clashes. Yeah, which you do have in here as well yeah, with these yeah. characters. Uh, one of the girls is much more timid and needs to be guided yeah, and yeah. pushed into things, whereas, you know, some of them are a bit more brave. And yeah. it is great that it's it's four different characters, but they also, like you said, you like writing them and working together. They work together really well. Yeah. Um, and even things like they have nicknames for each other or something that's very Welsh that I've learned is shortening of names. So it wouldn't be Rachel, it would be Rach or Ray. Uh, and that happens in the book as well, which being based in South Wales was literally like listening to co-workers of mine speak to each other because that's how they speak. It isn't Carol or Karen, it's Ka or, you know, so a lot of that's in there as well where it's very, it's like it's happening in these, which of course it is, it's happening right here. I mean, with the Americans, they always seem to use surnames, don't they? Yes. Yeah, I'm always called Lees everywhere I go. And Ripley and all this yes. kind of thing. And, yeah. Um, Sawoski and all this kind yeah. of stuff when you got aliens and stuff going on. Well, um, like I said, uh, I think another thing, I watched a film years ago, I think it was called Elevator, or Lift in this country, and you had like six people stuck in the lift for like four hours. Right. So I thought, well, if I'm stuck in a lift with four, four or six people I don't know, how, how do you deal with that? I mean, I, I would be a bit stupid, and I would probably run around going, we're all going to die, we're all <laughs> going to die. I can always remember I went to Blackpool Tower, um, kind of going off the subject a bit, and in Blackpool Tower they've got a glass floor. Yeah. And there was about 10 kids on this glass floor. Yeah. And it had a sign there saying, uh, well, so, so much weight. Yeah. And I went on there and I said, there's 10 people on this floor. No, there's 11. And I went like that. And these kids scattered because they I thought the glass was going to... I would have <laughs> as well. I would have as well. And I, I really thought that was funny. The kids did that. Actually. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't have found it funny either, to be fair. <laughs> I'm also now having a nightmare about being stuck in a lift with you for four <laughs> hours. But... But that, that's it. I like to dig into the... Carry on. Go ahead. All right. Okay. Um, the, 
to dig into people's characters and see what they're going to kind of come up with as well. Yeah. You've yeah. Got to we have a question from Facebook. Could have come from anywhere in the world. And uh, what is that question? Cool. <laughs> it is live. It is live. Oh, what age group? What age? So the question was, what age group is the book specific? Uh, is Ghost specific for? Tailored for? Suitable for? That's the word I was looking for. Suitable for? Well, um, this has always been a really strange one for me, because when I started out, it was always eight to twelve. Right. That was the target audience. But when I started getting teens, middle-aged people, and special pensioners coming up, saying, "Wow, this Wizard's Kingdom thing is brilliant. Can I buy a set of Wizard's mm. Kingdom?" So it's it's eight plus, even yeah. though. Adults could pick, pick up Ghost and yeah. think, wow, it's a brilliant tale. So could an eight, nine-year-old. Yeah. Because there's so much going on there. Yeah. There's no swearing in there. Exactly. There's no graphic violence as such. Yeah. As there is a little bit in there, but obviously it's more suspense. Exactly, yeah. Um, are, are the inescapable situations they manage to get out of. Yeah. That, that kind yeah, of yeah. thing. So children will enjoy it as well. This is what I never thought I'd get away with. Mm. Adults buy my stuff as well as kids. Yeah. But yeah. Um, this has happened, and I, I've got um, readers and fans of my reading of all ages. Yeah. So you can tell them that it's all eight ages. plus nine, but yeah. teens and adults will enjoy it as well. Any of my books, all my back catalog, to be honest. Yeah, all ten of them. It's it's <laughs> definitely. It, this is certainly not a children's book. It is suitable for all, but I wouldn't say it's a children's you book whatsoever. Say it's true. I, I, as in, it's not um, watered down. It's not a book for. Little, oh, no, little, no, you no, know, it's it's yeah. still a creepy story. It's still it, it a is. deep story, but I like the fact that it doesn't have that gratuitous violence and because yeah. I like a scary story, but I don't like the gore and the real horror of it. Yeah. So there's no nothing gruesome in there. It is. No, no, no. There no. are creepy moments, <laughs> but there's no, you know, deep descriptive things about really nasty things happening to people, which some people wouldn't wouldn't enjoy. So that's yeah. what I like the best about it is you can be scared, yeah. you can be creeped out, but I don't have to read about intestines pouring no, out onto no, the floor no, no. and blood and guts and things like that. Well, I've got a confession. I'm scared of horror films. Perfect. That's why That's <laughs> why I like your book so much. Like, <laughs> me too. If I sat up to see, put Netflix or whatever on, and there's a horror film on there, then literally I wouldn't sleep for two nights. Yeah, I'm and the same. I'm absolutely I, the same. I, I will hold my bladder for days on end yeah. to make sure the light comes back up so I can get there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go in the shadows because there's going to be people in the shadows waiting for oh, me I agree. with long fingernails and... Talons and yep. red scorching eyes. Yep. So I don't. I do suspense because people people thought the House of Dark was a really horror horror book. Yeah, because the title House of Dark leans to yeah horror. And, I, and I thought I, I've made a mistake with the cover because mm. I do children's schools, and primary schools, and workshops and presentations. The kids love it. Yeah. The kids love House of Dark and Disc yeah. because they look a little bit like an adult cover to it. feels like they're getting away with something, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe I should be reading this book. And and, and the lines are blurred now where uh, how much violence and stuff you can put in there. I rein her in. Yeah. I, I make sure that I don't put too too much gratuitous violence in yeah. there. Well, not, not none at all, really, but it's, mm -hmm. it's dumbed down a bit. Yeah. But a, lo a lot of the stuff the kids are reading now, I mean, Harry Potter, that starts off kind of um, an adventure, but that gets darker and darker. I mean, there's torture to all kinds of stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. And these dark materials with Philip Pullman, they're all classed as children's books. Yeah. But children are reading and playing games that are older than their age now these oh, of days. Of course they are, yeah. But they, everybody likes suspense. That's everybody right. likes the idea that um, you get to that door, are they going to get the keys out quick enough? And uh, you always got them stumbling, drop the keys. Yes. <laughs> and, and 
if you can build that up in a story yeah. and somebody's reading it, think, oh, they're not going to make it, they're not going to make it. Yeah. I feel like that when I'm writing it. Yeah, so that's great. If yeah. I can build that up when I'm writing it, I get people coming to me saying, I, I was I was really excited when that mm. part was there. I was really sad. I nearly cried yeah. when that happened to that character. And I thought, well, that, that's why I worked hard yeah. in the story together. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're experiencing those emotions while writing it, then they're naturally going to come across to the reader in the story. Um, so there are moments in there where I could tell where you would have been stressed out and worried about them and yeah. things happening to them. And, uh, you know, uh, I also found in there, um, because we met at a Comic-Con, a comic book convention, I did notice a few nerdy references as well. <laughs> there are some references to some superheroes. There may be a Harry Potter reference in there as well, because obviously the kids are chatting with each other. Yeah. And any kid who naturally got into that situation would say something like, this is just like Ghostbusters, or this is just like Harry Potter. Um, have you, is it because of your Comic-Con experiences that you've started slipping in the references to nerddom, as I would call it? Or is that, have you always been a bit of a nerd? <laughs> just like me, by the way. Just like me. We got um, one laugh. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, I, I like old movies. Um, Lost in Space, all that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. So um, when, when you're writing something today, obviously different generations of kids, you've got to... You've, you've got to be up with what they're up with. And yeah. you've got to put things in there that they recognize. Of course. Because um, if I... I mean, they're making remakes of stuff. So for instance, Lost in Space was a, a series when I was a kid. They made an awful movie out of it. But now they're making a... They've just made a, a Netflix yes. series of it. Yes, they have. So the kids wouldn't really have heard of Lost in Space. But they've been brought up with the stuff that's, that's now. Yeah. I mean, Harry Potter, that's going to be forever. And they, they're always reinventing it. Um, but you've got these Guardians of the Galaxy. I like yep. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I am a bit nerdy. I do, li I do like um, technology. Yep. And I do like secret compartments yep. and lasers from, you can take a pin from a tie or something, James yep. Bond stuff from when I was a kid. Yeah, Man from Uncle type Ma thing. Oh, uh, now you're talking my language, Man from Uncle. We're just going to nerd <laughs> out for a few minutes if you excuse yeah, yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Man from Uncle, which um, yep. I, I even had the little toys. I can remember I had a Man from Uncle car with a button on top because he popped out the side to shoot the, the stuff awesome. uh, awesome. being chased cool. on, the, on the road. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I, you've got to throw things in there that the kids identify with, otherwise they get lost. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier before yeah, we did yeah. the interview, that um, especially with phrases and stuff in the stories as well. Yeah. Like I mentioned, I think it's a dead zone in one part of the story. Yes, yeah. And kids wouldn't know what a dead zone was. No. But, but then, then I follow it up with... Um, like when you've got a phone that you can't get a signal. Oh, everybody's exactly. got a phone. That's right, yeah. Because the majority of readers would know exactly what you meant by that. Yeah. But for a young reader that would think, what does he mean by dead zone? That simple reference of like when you can't get a signal on your mobile. Not that that's the exact wording, but referring it back to a mobile phone without signal, as you said, a young reader is going to go, oh, I know exactly what that's like. Yeah. So it's there's a few moments in there where you kind of bring it back and make that reference. Yeah. And I think for a young reader, it's fantastic because you're... For, for a more, what's the, learned readers, we've all been reading all our lives, we know exactly what you mean yeah, yeah. when you describe a room gets cold and it fills with lightning and smoke and lasers. Yeah. Uh, but a younger reader may be thinking, I don't know what he means. But then when you say, compare it to special effects in a film, yeah. a young reader's gonna go, I'm with you, it's perfect. Um, we have a question from around the world on Facebook again. So we're gonna have your wonderful son Is yell that, that from out Ponty to us. <laughs> Could have come from anywhere in the world, you know. <laughs> Is there going to be a follow-up? Well, I, that's hard to answer without giving a spoiler, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because a lot of people are here 
I'm ready, don't they? Right, so, so we um, want. Yes, there's going to be six sequels. No, <laughs> um, I kind of a lot of the books that I do, I kind of leave, kind of on a cliffhanger, if I'm honest. So whether I'm going to take it on or not. Yeah. Is, um, so I, I I don't know at this moment, and my wife will shoot me because um, I got so many different other projects going on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I maybe may not be. It's. I, I've, there's one person is in this audience. I'm not even going to look over to this person because this person, I can't even say if it's male or female because they'll point her out. But uh, <laughs> she always wanted a third part to the Curious World series. Ah. Hiya. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to have to kind of do something there at, one, hmm. at some point. But I don't know if there's going to be a sequel to Ghosted because I'm, I'm already kind of finishing off another book. And I've got another three books which I'm working on anyway. So maybe I'll get back to it. Yeah, I I think even I, not that I wrote it. It's nothing to do with me. But I think there are characters in here that could certainly have their own spin-off. Yeah, uh, yeah. One specific one I think you know I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Could certainly have his own series of books where he can go off and do his own thing. Well, so you could move on without the four kids, and you could take this Killian Spooks is the one I'm referring to. Well, he could have his own I, series. I don't know if um if any of the audience some of the audience here from last year we had um Anthony Brooks did the interview in last year did a brilliant job. Uh, he kind of beta read Ghosted, and um, I don't want to give too much away, like I said, but the, there's a character in there, and he said, wow, this could be a series on his own. Yeah. Uh, he called it urban fantasy, because yep. he likes the Dresden files and right. that kind of thing. So I thought, it's, it's getting the time to do it. Oh, of it course. It really is getting the yeah. time. I'm a slow writer. If I could write twice as fast as I can speak, yeah. <laughs> yeah. then I could get the books out there, but um, I would love to do a series on it. Yeah. If you know I, what I mean. I think he's... He Especially even, it's just the name of a character, Killian Spooks. Killian it even Spooks. sounds like a series. Yeah, yeah. It sounds, you know, I, I hear that name and I picture the character perfectly. I know exactly what he is, know exactly what he does. Killian Spooks, I think, could be an entire series. But we have to, you folks will have to read that to learn exactly who Killian is and what he gets up to. Killian Spooks and the Canadian host. There you, you know go. I, mean? it could be I have been telling you for years, name a character <laughs> Matt, but he still hasn't done it. Every time I read his book and I go, there's going to be a guy named Matt. I know <laughs> it. He's going to be Canadian and ginger. No. Maybe next time. I'll tell you one thing that does kind of scare me is the fact that I, I, I do a lot of uh, science fiction, which is turning into science fact. Yeah. Because they say, oh, science fiction, future world is flying cars. People are inventing flying yeah. cars. Oh, yeah. They've they got hoverboards now that can actually hover. Yeah. So a a Japanese company has... Uh, patented a food replicator. Seriously? The, the beginnings of what will become a food replicator. So that's, we're literally Star Trek times now. So I, I don't have to cook anymore, I can just... No. <laughs> my wife haven't even picked up on that. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think but the most fun I'm having is watching your wife roll her <laughs> eyes at you this whole time. There should be a camera pointing that way to watch her roll her eyes at you. Um, but, but no, yeah, um, science, science fiction is turned into science fact. Yeah. A lot of things the iPhones, and I'm sure oh, yeah. in, in a couple of years' time you'll be able to have a hologram come out of your hand or something. It's insane. But, but, but with this, with Ghost, it's slightly turned a different way. Yeah. It's There's not a lot of technology in that, no, that no, sense. No, no. It's not futuristic in that sense. No, it's, it's not. It could have taken place 100 years ago or 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And it's that, that kind of a story that doesn't rely on the, the fact, the, the science, if you, if you know what I mean. And I wanted to base it in Wales. Of course, yeah. And it is literally based... In Everywhere. these very streets. I mean, this this pub, um, the glam everybody knows us locally, the Morgan Hotel, this is in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the surrounding streets. Um, I just literally wanted to build a story that 
everybody can relate to in, in the Rhonda. Mm -hmm. And I've used different landmarks. Um, I've invented, I mean, you haven't read the book yet, but I've actually invented a shopping mall we haven't got yet. So if the council kind of catches on to that, maybe we can have a <laughs> the other end of town. But I even had to walk the streets. You can Google all these things, but they change. I mean, houses get pop up everywhere and yeah. different businesses and stuff. So I literally walked. I mean, one famous story that I got is I took my wife out on a day trip to do research and took sandwiches and stuff. It was a nice day. And we went to the Trello Cemetery. Uh, <laughs> because I you romantic, <laughs> and I took photographs in there, and you, you've got to size things up, and yeah. um, where you can have attacks and things coming from. So I used bridges, yeah. I used pubs. I've used um, statues. Mm. I've, I've used like Tonopandi, Penny Greig. I've used Trialo, uh, Penriver, uh, all the places that I come yeah. from, which I think is great. So people yeah. can identify with it all. Yeah, and it's. It's solid enough as a story that you don't need to be from here in order to enjoy no, it. No, no. But when you read these things and it's naming actual streets that you're from, yeah. then it gives you a whole other level of enjoyment in the book because you're like, I know exactly where that street is. I know exactly what it looks like, smells like, sounds like. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's wonderful. I, was it daunting to base it on your local area? Was that sort of you it don't want to do it an injustice? It, it, was, it was challenging. and um, I've got to get the feedback. Yeah. reviews from the book to say, yeah. well, that street doesn't match with that street. Right. Or that street doesn't meet up with that street. Yeah, yeah. Or, it, it, you know, it, in some way, um, you've got that in the wrong area. That's yeah. why I, ca I kind of did the geography to, yeah. to, to yeah. try and sort it out. Um, <coughs> a lot of the places now, have, or some of the places, aren't even there anymore. Yeah. So um, it's kind of like when I did um, Crank Tech 1. I based it in Cardiff, and then they built the second Cardiff... Um, Shopping centre, which I had to read, go back to Cardiff and redo it. Right. I mean, around, around this area, a lot of stuff doesn't change. Right. But s some places going to disappear. Mm. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, it was a bold move, if if I'm honest, because basing something in your locality, um, you, you you, I don't know. You, um, you you might get a bigger audience because it's from your local area. Right. But, but you don't want to do any in injustices to anything. Yeah, either. you don't want to um, ne neglect, not neglect, but you don't want to leave anyone out because, no, no. like I said, they don't. Well, yeah. I'm not from the South Wales Valley. That book won't mean anything to me. That's not yeah. true at all, is it? I think no. you spent, you made sure that it was readable by everyone. Yeah. But also by people locally. I, di I did notice that the, the publisher did change the blurb a little bit because ah. it was for Welsh school children. Right. The Welsh part of it because they said if it's going to sell globally. Right. Because you're going to, obviously on Amazon, you can. Pick it up from any part of the world. Yeah, and you can. They, they didn't want it to be too, too local, right. too specific. So um, they, they took, even though there are names of places around here that are actually in there. But then again, Lord of the Rings, you've got all these different complicated names. Yes, because there's some Welsh names in it. They're not too difficult to pronounce. Right. So th the hardest one is Penrhyn. Penrhyn, where I live, I think roughly translated. I don't speak Welsh, which I should do, <laughs> but top of the short hill. But the other place, uh, Williamstown could be anywhere. Yes, could, yeah. Um, Penny Greig. Yeah. And we, we go to different places, and I do come across places with Welsh, with the Welsh name in them. Yeah. I mean, Isla White. I went to Isla White last week. they got Newport there. There you go. So, uh, so there you go. there's Newports all over the world, isn't there? <laughs> Probably not as nice as our Newport, though. <laughs> you know, they wish. Um, I, we did a book fair last year, uh, and I asked this very question to a panel of authors, one of which I think I recognize here this evening. Hello. And I asked them, because you just mentioned they changed your blurb. Yeah. 
when they told you they changed your blurb, was part of you like, you did what now? Excuse me, you changed what? Because I asked them last time if they say, oh, could you make this character a little less X, Y, or Z? Could you change this a little bit? Does that sort of thing irritate you to the point that, listen, I wrote the story, they're my characters, I'll do with them what I choose, or? It, it, did, it did for me with House of Dark. Right. House of Dark, they said that I had to change the ending. Oof. And um, when you put your heart and soul into writing something, yeah. Because I mean, I, I've got a study which is a, a bedroom, a spare bedroom I've made up. Uh, in the summertime, now we're going to the local library, and you spend hours and hours and hours working up the plots, the characters, yeah. getting them all in there. I, I had, you know, you send the manuscript off to the publisher, and they said we, we want to change the ending a bit because it doesn't appeal. So. Um, I did what they said. I, I got to give in. I did what they said, and the books have sold. So they, they do know yeah. what they Maybe told them from they a sales point of view. Yeah. I have had one or two readers saying, um, I didn't like the ending. Maybe they would have liked the original ending. Maybe not. Maybe, yeah. But uh, with blurbs and stuff, you can't really. Uh, they changed the blurb, they got it mostly right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you've just got to give into that. You've got to develop a thick skin, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, they, they got their own marketing departments and stuff, and they uh, they got loads of other authors they got to go yeah. after, and they've got to get the return on I the books as well. I suppose they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that sense. But it would I think it would bother me. I make I do music for podcasts and audio books and things, and I remember making one a while ago, and I like you said, I bled over it. Yeah. I cried over it. I spent hours doing it. I sent the song to the guy, and he said, does it need to be played on a piano? My reaction was, what would you like it played on? But again, that, that's why I'm not making music for a living, because I don't have thick enough skin, yeah. because I just end up sulking and go, do it yourself then. I mean, of course, I th he was only being productive. He didn't yeah, mean yeah, anything yeah. by it. The thing, I think the thing that scares me more, I don't know if it'll ever happen to me, but if someday somebody says, okay, we'll make a movie out of one of your books, uh, yes. and I would think, oh, wow, okay. I mean, it could be a Disney movie, it could be yeah. a small production, yeah. but it doesn't matter, because it's kind of taken out of your hands then. Yeah, and you would literally have to hand it over. Yeah, because you can't tell Steven Spielberg, ah, Steve, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't my ending. He wouldn't say that. You can't say that to Steve, can you? I, I mean, I imagine anyway. When they made the new version of the Time Machine, mm. the Morlocks come out in the day. Yeah, and I thought, wow. I mean, H.G. Wells didn't want that to happen. But he doesn't uh, get a say, does he? But and and George R. R. Martin, I think he was on uh, set for, for most of the time in the beginning for Game of Thrones. Yes, but but he was really pernickety about. Right. Different colors of horses yeah. and that kind of stuff. And does he not go to set anymore, or have they banned I, him? I think they banned him from the I set. Think they <laughs> have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, if they took all your characters that you worked on and maybe took a character out and put something completely different yeah. in there, and then changed scenes, yeah. Uh, and you wonder then, you know, is, is and they should throw special effects that you didn't want in there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Aragon. Aragon. Yeah. I mean, you got paid lots of money to do Aragon. Yeah. But the, f the movie was horrible. Mm. And, and they had Jeremy Irons in there, and everybody says, we've got Jeremy Irons in there. Uh, I mean, he's done lots of brilliant films, but yeah. a lot of them are bombed. I don't know if he's got these in there, but, yeah. but uh, I wouldn't mind him being engorsed, by the way. If he's <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, uh, but yeah, we'd love um, to have that, you. That's the scary part for me. If um, it, it went, a lot of it was taken out of my hands, and you think, okay, you get paid a million pounds, yeah. but then you've got something you're not happy with. I think I'd get over that. What do you guys think? <laughs> million pounds? I'd be like, that's not my ending. They'd go, a million pounds? I'd be like, end it however you want. Carry on. Kill all the characters. I don't mind. Rachel, did the check clear? Did the check clear? We're fine. Uh, but it, but maybe not. It's hard. To, it's really hard it to is. say because they, 
even for music for me, the music yeah. that I make, it, they are my children. And I'm incredibly protective of them. Yeah. And I think it'd be hard for me to say I sold it to a band and they said, oh, we're going to change that song. We're going to change... I, I don't know. It'd be very hard for me to deal with. So I imagine it takes a lot longer to write a book than it does to write a few bars of music. So I can't imagine the struggle well, that yourself or yourself would experience in that case, you know? Well, it's just as exciting opening the box up and the new book comes. Oh, I bet. The advanced copies? Yeah. Um, I mean, literally my 10th book... But I'm just as excited at breaking that seal. Yeah. I'm pulling that out and I'm my name on the bottom of it. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, th this book in particular, besides it being locally produced then with all the, the, uh, the different landmarks, it's got a dual purpose for me as well. Because my son, my youngest son, Ryan, he's a creative designer in a, uh, a creative company in London. And he, he actually did all the artwork. He liaised with the publisher to put it together. And... He's more pernickety than I am, to be honest. I bet. Because when the book came, he, he got in contact with my, my, his mother, my wife, and he said, um, how black is the black on the front of the book? <laughs> and she said, it's black. Yes, yeah, but, but is it black? black? Or yeah. is it black black? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we sent a copy to him, and he's, he's, I mean, he's over the moon with the, with the cover. Yeah. And I'm over the moon with the fact that it's a local book with my son's... Well, yeah, yeah, which uh, is artwork on there, which is full weird. circle, isn't it? Because it's ah. the same son that you started writing in order to help him, yeah, 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 become yeah. a better reader, and now he's designing the covers for your novels. So it's it's a, a nice big bow on it. It's really yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a nice twist to it all. Absolutely. I had a friend at work today told me that if you're unhappy with your graphic artist, he could come through and do covers for you. But I said it's his son. I don't think you're going to squeak in on this one. <laughs> but I've done the point now. I've told you I know another artist, just in case, <laughs> in case you and uh, Ryan don't get along anymore professionally. Um, any questions from the audience, ladies and gentlemen? Or any more? Oh, there we go, right oh. there. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> So for the listeners, uh, books are full of quite a lot of emotion, and uh, does that excite does that excite or upset you writing that with the characters? Did I get that? Yeah, cool. Yeah, excite or exhaust? Does it excite or exhaust you? It excites and exhausts me. There you um, go. Just just before Christmas, um, I I put a a Christmas ebook up on Amazon. Um, we went we were going to the hospital at the Royal Glamorgan, and my my mother had to go to the to arthritis clinic part. My wife took her there and I was in the coffee shop. I had to wait for an hour and a half, I think it was. And <coughs> I'd done about four to five stories for this Christmas anthology of alternative Christmas stories. But um, I came up with a story called The Snow Globe. It was about the snow globe. And there's a really sad part in there. I'm in the, co the coffee shop I'm and, and it's coming to me like, I don't know, 100 miles an hour. And yeah. I, I'm jotting it down. Yeah. And I'm writing on pen and pad. I haven't got a laptop. Writing it down, and then I'm getting really welled up, and I'm again really kind of emotional, almost oh, yeah. to the point of crying. Yeah, and I look around, and everybody's buying coffee, doctors and nurses walking past, uh, patients with their families. Yeah, and I thought I'm I'm a mess. <laughs> yeah, and I'm in my own world here, yeah. and everybody doesn't notice what's going on. They've got yeah. their little oh, worlds, yeah. and it does it it taxes you, yeah. and it. it um, so when you read that story, I want you to be as upset as I was. Yeah. If you laughed at, at the humor of, the, of another character, I want you to be as happy. Mm. Um, if you were out of breath when the guy was running two or three miles to get away from whatever's chasing him, I try and make it sound 
meticulously. Like, the, like I picture myself running by the side of him. Yeah, and you do write in that style of you can feel the desperation. Yeah. You know things like he couldn't, he didn't think he could take another step. Yeah. That brings you into the moment of going. He must be exa You know, you're able to really bring you into that moment, and it's probably from what you're saying of being emotionally invested, being exhausted because you're putting yourself in that position. So when I'm reading that about these kids in this basement, they are terrified yeah. because you were terrified writing it. And I think well, it comes through very clearly. Well, sometimes it can be embarrassing because um, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm in the library sometimes because we've still got the Tonopandi library there. And I'm there in the corner sometimes, got my laptop. And if somebody gets hit or hurt or, or there's a part of the story that I've really got to project, then I've, got, I've actually got to do it where I am. So if somebody gets kind of um, hit in the face, I would actually go, and, and there, people look at me sometimes and think, there's something wrong with him. I go, ah, oh. because I've creased my face up. Yeah. And I clench my teeth. Yeah. And I've got uh, droplets under my eyes. Yeah. And I, I put all that down. And I'm actually experiencing it. Yeah. Because uh, if you bang your elbow, I say, ah. Yeah. The first thing you do is rub your arm, or, or you, you clamp your hand over whatever you've hurt. If you've taken a bit of skin off the top of your arm, you've got a short sleeve shirt on, it's like, first yeah. thing you do is clench your teeth and suck it in. Yeah. And, I, um, you, th and you think your arm's going to fall off, but it could only be a graze. And, yeah. and you gently pull your fingers away to see what you've done. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. Oh, yeah. And if I can get that into the story, I can get people to identify with that. Oh, yeah, I've had that. And if they can identify with what's yeah. happening with the characters, yeah. they're getting pulled in further and further. And that's why when I've written my story and I go over it, I go over each book that I write about 15, 20 times. Yeah. Each chapter changing, adding, taking out. And in the end, I am exhausted. I am uh, emotional and all of the above. Tick all the boxes. But that's where you've got to be if you want to yeah. be passionate about what you're doing. Absolutely. And it, I'm sure you've all read his other works. It does. Your passion does come through in your work. Yeah. So it's very clear that, you know, because sometimes you'll read something and you'll think, this was written just because somebody owed a publisher a book on a contract and it's just sort of putting words down. But yours has emotion and passion. I think that's what I enjoy most about it is because I'm not a loyal reader of books, if I'm honest. Books, it takes me a long time to get invested in a book. Yeah. But with yours, they're easy to pick up. They're easy to keep reading. Yeah. I'm a serial for having books with a bookmark, like three, four chapters in. Yeah. And then it just never gets touched again. I have all the best intentions to read them. Yeah, yeah. But I find with your books, I'm able to, to, to read them through. Um, part of it's a bit creepy because I hear them in your voice now. <laughs> so usually you read a book and see your voice. No, I'm reading this one and I'm hearing his voice in my head. And then it's sort of... That is creepy. Yeah, isn't it? How do you think I feel? So I'm in the bath reading a book listening to Colin's voice. Laying in bed and I'm standing by the side looking... No, no. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, no. We talked about movies just now. I, I love asking this question to creative people. I've got all the hookups in Hollywood. I'm going to pick your director for you. I'm going to pick your act, or sorry, you're going to pick your director and your stars. Who's going to who's in who's going to be ghosted the movie? Personally, who's <laughs> going to direct it? Is it going to be is it going to be Steve, as I call him? Steve, George. Mr. Spielberg, if you're watching. Uh, no, not George. No, George Lucas just ruined things. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want George Lucas near Scott any. Scorsese. Yeah, there you go. He's going to make it a bit violent, though. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of the boys isn't going to survive if Scorsese <laughs> directs it, I think. And there's going to be a lot of go on there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Stars in there. Now, now normally, when, when you're doing like wizarding stuff and stuff, you, you always think of Patrick Stewart, that kind of thing. Yeah. In, in, in this, I, I don't know. Um, oh, you've hit me with one there. Have so I? Well, the, the four children, I mean, you can pick any kind of um, Hollywood stars that are out there. Yeah. I, th I think if you want, like, um, Killian Spooks, now he's yeah. a real hero in his thing. 
But you wouldn't want... I think the other guy... I can't think of his name. The guy who plays Guardians of the Galaxy? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. I think he... Yes. I think... That's <laughs> why so you pay me the big bucks. <laughs> I, I think he, he would... Um, he, he would be yeah. good Killian Spooks in there. That's definitely the sort of person I envision reading it, for sure, yeah. The, the, head, the headmaster. Um, Peter Cushing would have been perfect, yeah. to be honest, to, to play that part. Yeah. These, these days... Um, Timothy Spall? Yeah. He, he might, because uh, he, I mean, he's very versatile. Yeah. Timothy Spall, I would have thought. Um, th- there's a brilliant character in there called Cleo Smoke, mm-hmm. which I, I, I think she's, because uh, I love a series called Skullduggery Pleasant. Skullduggery Pleasant, if you haven't, uh, it's written by Derek Landy. I think it's on, he's on his 12th book now, a couple of spin offs. And they've got everything in these books. They've got uh, wizards, witches, vampires, werewolves, Bigfoot. Zombies, anything you want is in there, and I've kind of Cleo Smoke is a Tanith Low who's in Skeleton. She's mm. cool, she's in black outfits, yeah. long flowing hair, she can jump, she can run, yeah. she can fly, kind of like Cleo Smoke. Yeah, but she comes at you with smoke. Yeah, can't give too much away, no one spoilers. The, the amount of small references we've made, you guys must be itching to read this book because the, the things we've mentioned. A Facebook viewer wants to be will play one of the characters. Send in your audition tape, and we'll let you know. Oh, my daughter and Sam. <laughs> oh, you, we well, have to say yes, you're in. <laughs> yeah, she's... I c- couldn't say no to that. You, even if you wanted to, yeah. you couldn't say no. I'd so welcome aboard. Yeah, and my granddaughter would have to be in even though she's not. She's, you have, have to, to write be. a new character for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there, there's so much good talent out there mm. that, that could play the parts. Um, like I said, it's, it's fast-moving. There's um, lots of corridors, trapdoors, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And... That are, that are silent characters in there mm. that don't say anything. Yeah. Like sort of Death Eaters and all that kind of stuff yeah. as well. So, and the yeah. I, I there's so much going on in this book, isn't there? That is. That there's, is. There's, there's, a, there's even a, uh, I'll call it a, almost a battle, a war, takes yeah, place yeah. on a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it's again, it, and it's a bridge that's, I've seen you on the bridge. So it I know it's a real bridge. Oh, I, I, uh, and quite the battle takes place there. Th- that surprised me the other day. Um, my wife, um, she did some video footage of me. Uh, we just tried to pick up on the landmarks that we did. Yeah. The collage. And, I mean, I've had about 800 hits on it, I think. Something like that. And people recognize the places. Yeah. I mean, and, and the bridge. I had to go down to the bridge to see of course. Um, where where the train station was, where the river was. Yeah. To make sure that that all kind of matched up. Absolutely. And I thought, nobody uses it. I mean, a, a lot of this stuff, you, you may get uh, books in South Wales, which are like poetry and that kind of stuff. I don't think there's many action kind of... Adventures are set in the Ronda. No. I know there's, a, I was telling you earlier, there's a horror writer who's done stuff in Porth Call. Yeah. There may be one or two stories that are, uh, that's been done, in, but I don't think they've used like William no. Penrever or whatever. So I'm thinking it's fresh, it's new. Mm. Um, maybe people, I, I've even given people like from Australia who want to read it because they used to live in the Ronda. Yeah. Where can they get it from? I, I thought I was amazing today. Yeah. Well, that's the wonders of technology and the internet, isn't it? Yeah. That yeah. anyone can hear of you. Yeah, anyone can read your books. Anyone can watch this video right now on Facebook. Yeah. Anyone can ask a question, just like you're going to do, sir. Oh, no. You've been writing for about 10 years. What's the biggest disappointment you've had in that 10 years? Great question. So for those at home, uh, Colin's been writing for about 10 years, and you asked, what's the biggest disappointment you've experienced throughout that? I think one word, rejections. Yeah. Because when I started, I was really naive. I mean, I fell into it with the Wizard's Kingdom thing. So I, I thought, once I got that and the book started selling, I thought, okay, everything I'm going to write now is going to be published. I'm going to be absolutely right. a rock star. But then, um, back then, when I first started out, 
it was all sending off three chapters and a synopsis uh, in an A4 envelope. And you sent them off. You don't know, so it's all done in email and stuff now. So when the envelope started coming back, when they first started, oh, publishing deal, yay! But yeah. it's, just, it's just your three chapters coming back and a note saying it's not for us. And oh. then you do another story, it's not for us. And then you write another book, it's not for us. And you've got to have a really thick skin. Yeah. And um, I could have thrown it in years ago. I'll be honest with you. I think it was Jan that actually kept me going. Sometimes you're there and you go, I can't do this yeah. anymore. Oh, yeah. But then you think, okay, if they don't like it, maybe they like it. Yeah. And it happened. Uh, um, I self-published the first three. They sold pretty well. Uh, I traditionally published the next one, which they went under. Um, I got brilliant friends who've got the Glenside Printing Company who did, um, they did done my back catalogue of from Wizards Kingdom to Crank, I think. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, I found a traditional publishing company in Pegasus. They loved House of Dark. Um, and the books started selling. Yeah. The schools, the kids started loving reading. I thought, wow. And it reinvigorated you. Uh, when, when you got, I've got an envelope up the house with six, five or six letters from one school I did a couple of weeks ago with the kids praising me for the stuff that I've done. Yeah. And they want to do more workshops with me. And they want to write their own stuff. And that must mean more than oh. anything else. For a kid to say, I loved your book and now I want to be a writer. Yeah. That must be incredible. And when they've done the workshop, they come up to you and they hug you. Yeah. I mean, these days, you got to watch. You can't hug kids back. <laughs> yes, you do. Because of the PC stuff and, and all that. But uh, I've really enjoyed my day, Colin. I want to write. I want to become a writer. That's great. And that makes me passionate to carry yeah, on. Of course. And like I said, I'm still going to get rejections. I'm, the next book I've got is Wizards Exile. I could send that off to Pegasus. Nobody don't want it. Yeah. Because I thought, um, as, as a friend of mine called Di Toft, she wrote Woven. Um, it's a, a trilogy. It's with uh, Chicken House, I think, which is one of the biggest publishers in the UK. She put another book, Cat Magic, onto them because uh, the trilogy have sold in many languages. They didn't want it. But I thought she was made. Yeah. But she, could, she had to self-publish it, even though she had a, a, a globally selling trilogy out there. So it's, it's not concrete. No. So whatever you've got, you're still going to get rejections and that kind of thing. I mean, I even know a couple of authors in here tonight that um, about the same kind of experiences. So it's not set in stone. You just got to keep on pushing with it. And rejection yeah. is the hardest part. Mm. But as long as you can develop that skin and realize that it's it's not the end, you can no. continue on. Then I, I tell the children that I say, look, even though because there's a, a website called Wattpad, which you can put stories on there. My nephew is an author himself, and he puts chapters on there to sell the rest of the book. So that uh, they can right, and I tell children you can you can put stories and things on there, but you may get tough reviews on it. Yeah. So ex expect a little bit of rejection because you're going to get that. Yeah, especially on an online forum where the keyboard warriors are free yeah, yeah, yeah. to say whatever they choose to you, that they may not say to a real person sitting in front of them. Yeah. But if it's just a chapter online, they can go, "This is rubbish. You're 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 terrible." Yeah. And they, that's you got to have a tough skin for that as well, and be able to tell the difference between. Somebody being um, being um, constructive yeah. with their criticism, and somebody who just wants to well, trolls basically. Troll exactly. I mean, I, I've got um, I think it's ten reviews on the Curious Will of Shelley Vendor. I had a couple of American reviews, and they absolutely tore the book to bits. Every sentence of it. Yeah. And I thought, well, look, I got ten glowing reviews, or some glowing, some mediocre. Um, and then I checked them out, and they've trashed a lot of authors. Yeah. So don't they? They failed in what they're doing. Exactly. But it can't hurt, but you just got to forge on. Yeah, keep a tough skin. Yeah. 
We're going to Facebook, anywhere in the world, for a live question. Oh, great question. So is your focus more on delivering to the readers what they want or to be creative? Well, right, be into, right into market, really, isn't it? Yeah. Right into market. I did think of that once, to actually write to market. And a lot of authors are doing that these days. Yeah. They're making sure the cover is what readers want to see. They're making sure the story is what the readers want to hear and read about. Yeah. But um, I want to write what I want to write. Yeah. Well, uh, you're going to spend a lot of your life living that story. Yeah. Prob well, obviously longer than we will reading it. So yeah. like you were saying about if you're not enjoying it, if you're not emotionally invested in it, yeah. it's not going to come out right. So if, so if somebody wanted me to write something for them right. and pay me a, a vast amount of money to do it, I'll do that. But I, I, don't, I don't want to write to what people want to read. Right. I mean, saying that, I, I like some of the books that are out there at the moment and authors do pinch ideas from other authors. I mean, don't take the whole thing, you just take little bits, put yeah. your own twist in it, and then make your own adventure. Of course, there are only so, so many original ideas, right? Yeah, so. yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, but no, no I, I'd rather write my own stuff, I'll keep on writing my own stuff. It seems to work. Yeah. I mean, the back catalogue there, um, sometimes you write something that's already been done. Like I, I was going to write something about um, uh, a boxing match between robots, and then Real Steel came out. Yeah. I had the idea for that there, but I'll have boxing robots in the future. Real steel come out, the idea's been done, now I'll have yeah. to go on to something else. Yeah. So sometimes you're gonna bring something out. The worst thing is if you have a book that's published and then a movie comes out the same week and it's exactly the same kind of story. Right. Yeah. Well, that's scary. But that hasn't happened to me yet. <laughs> Touch wood. Yeah. Any yeah. questions in the we'll go we'll go we'll go one and two, yeah. Great question. Do you write every day, and how uh, do you stay, stay focused? focused. Um, my wife keeps me focused. I bet. Uh, she does. <laughs> uh, it's difficult to write every day. I, I'm, I'm a full-time author. I do a lot of school visits. For instance, the last two weeks, I've had eight schools in, in like um, ten days, ranging from Isle of Wight to Maidenhead and Cheshire and everywhere. So uh, we stay in hotels. I try. Um, I the first week I went, I forgot my laptop. My, I took my bag with me. I, I had my um, whatever. I had my mouse in there. I had the charger. Everything bar the laptop. <laughs> so I had to go back to basics with a pad and pen. Yeah. So um, my wife likes Costa Coffee, and ah. <laughs> we end up in a lot of coffee shops. So yeah. So um, Jan, can I have a drink? <laughs> um, I uh, I spend a lot of time focusing in coffee shop and building the story up. Uh, what, sorry, what was the second part of the question? How, how, you stay how do you stay focused? I think the answer was his wonderful wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult when you get other ideas coming to you. If you're three quarters of the way through a book, and you, you, I, which I've done, uh, which Wizard's Exile, what I'm doing now, was three quarters of the way through, then something else is pulling at you. Oh, yeah. I'll write it down, but it, it keeps on pulling me to one side. It's like, it's like elastic band. Yeah. I thought, well, I got, I've got to do this. So once you start focusing on that, then that takes your focus away from what you're doing. So if you're like 25 chapters in, if you spend a time with a short story, which um, could take you a couple of a month or six weeks or two months, you've got to revisit the book you've just done and re-immerse yourself with the characters and then refocus on the whole thing. So um, it can be really difficult to focus on stuff like that. Uh, excuse me, sir. But it's what it is. 
my wife said to me, Colin, yeah, there's an author friend of mine called Damien Harvey, and he said, writing is like catching butterflies, because you've got the net, and think, oh, there's an idea. Oh, look, there's another idea. And you're putting all these ideas down, but you're not making any headway. So Jan said to me one day, you've got four, five projects on the go. So you've got to start concentrating and finishing them and then carrying on to the next. So I said, okay, Wizards Exile, I've got to finish. So I'm focused on that one now. I've gone back through all the chapters and I've, I've revisited each one. And I, I've added stuff in there. And I've got to get that finished. If an idea does pop in my head, then I pop it down and I say, I'll get back to that later. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. We've had a lot of snow lately. I've got an idea for a snow story. But I'm going back to it after because I've got to get this finished through April. I've got no bookings in April, so I'm going to immerse myself in the book, get that finished, get it sent off, and then concentrate. I mean, I'm even doing adult crime fiction, and i got three books, which one is done, one's half done, and one's not done. So I've got to get back to that at some point. Yeah. Right. Good it's question. I, I, and then you had a question as well. Yeah. They, they, they came, I mean, I'm not old, old, I'm about 57, but um, I find earlier experiences in my life kind of meshing together. Does that time correspond with that time? Was I actually with that person or that person? Mm. So sometimes, like, I've, I've used two schools in the new book, because I went to Craigerios, um, Craigerios Secondary School, Grammar School, a Secondary School, sorry, and I went to Williamstown. So I think I kind of merged the two. So uh, it doesn't matter really that you merge them. Um, but it, it, it is, uh, sometimes, I, uh, wherever I am, I will pick out people's personalities and think, oh wow, that would work really well. Because, yeah, um, I mean, my wife is in the book, but I hadn't even met her. Um, before, uh, I mean, with all this story's going on, so until uh, like later life. So um, she's from Ton Revel, she never used to bother up this end, so she wouldn't have known about all the streets and stuff around here. A friend of mine is in the story, uh, and um, I've used his old house and stuff, and personalities that I've, like I said, that I've known. It's better if you know a couple of personalities because the, the story will, will lend itself to you uh, even. And elaborate yourself quicker if you if you know what somebody's quirks are and you can throw it in there. And still no charming Canadians in any of your books. Just if, saying. If you've got somebody who's a bit scared, you can throw them in a scary position and think, how, how are they going to get out of that? And that makes the character may, may make the character stronger by the end of the story. And I like that idea and mm. it, and it excites me. And you could have a brave character saying, I'll go into the dark, I'll sort it out. And inside, they could be terrified, but just putting a front up. And uh, you learn that as you go through the story. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it is good uh, to learn different personalities. And there, there are some moments in this very book, aren't there, where the, the kids are playing a lot cooler and tougher than they think they are. Yeah. And you, as you're reading it, you're going, he's just playing cool. And I would do the exact same thing. I would be the one lifting up the latch going, come on, boys. But inside, I would be absolutely terrified. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. And a lot of people put a front down. Yeah, and you could have a, a friend in school who's like, well, he's really confident, and then you find out later on that no, he's not so confident. Uh, um, I've never said this before, but I, I went when I left school, I, I, I did a, a tech course. I, I wanted to learn about computers when they started coming out, 
and I went to um, Tony Pier, and I did what was called a CLATE course, which was um, computer literacy, yeah. uh, how to learn how to use a keyboard. And I went there, and there was a, a load of secretaries in there. Uh, and secretaries were mostly women back then, and they all had um, typewriters. And I went in there, and I thought, oh my God, what am I doing here? Because um, I got all these people who work in offices, and I've never worked in an office in my life. But I want to learn the computers. They were all terrified because they had to use these new keyboard things. Um, we all had talks, and they, and they looked confident, and they were all dressed yeah. um, in suits and things, and which intimidated yeah. me because I only wore suits to funerals or weddings. But I was more confident than I am. I thought I was crazy. Mm. Uh, you know, pe people sometimes put a facade on. Oh, yeah. And you've got to learn about their personalities. Yeah. I mean, I, I studied radio broadcasting. I worked in radio stations. I played in bands. I hosted events. People would think outwardly that I'm confident, and but I'm not at all. If you put me in a one-on-one -on -one situation with a person and try to have a natural conversation, I am terrified. But if you put me on a radio, then I'm not as worried about it. But people, like you say, put on a front, yeah. assume, oh, he's not afraid of anything. He can get it. No, 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 no. No, 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 not at all. It's all, it's all a clever front. Well, I, I can stand up in front of 600,000 children in an assembly hall now, 22 years ago. I had to stand up in a wedding and do a speech. And I crumpled. Mm. And I thought, I'm never, ever going to do this again. But then th the writing made me braver. Yeah. And um, when I first did Wizards Kingdom, my wife's cousin lives in Kent, in Gravesend. And she said, why don't you come down and do a couple of schools? And I said, OK. I'd only done Penrivert Infants and I think Williamstone with a couple of kids in the hall. So I went down to Kent with purple book, me being Welsh uh, in, in the land of England. <laughs> And I had two schools, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. One in the morning, I stood there. My wife was there, and her cousin that was next to her, 300 children came in. And I went white. They said, Colin, you had no color. I thought you were going to collapse. And I was, but I got through it. Yeah. In the afternoon, this was absolutely crazy. In the afternoon, it was Friday afternoon. I had this other school. I stood on stage. The headmaster, the head teacher was there. And it was at the end of their term or something. And it was 500 children came in. All the teachers lined up each side. And I went, oh my God, what <laughs> am I doing here? And he said, this is Colin Parsons. He's got this book, Wizard's Kingdom. Take it away, Colin. And he went off. <laughs> and, and I was Headlight, like, dear in the headlights. And, and, I going, uh, 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 and all, at that point, at that particular point, I thought, I'm either going to just throw, throw this in, make a fool of myself and just walk up and never come back or push myself forward. Yep. I started saying a couple of things that, that had happened to me in Wales, and they started laughing. And once I had them laughing, you get one or two chucklers, and it, it kind of reverberates back. Yeah. By the end of the session, they were all killing themselves. The book signing at the end of that day, it was a kid, he had a parker. He ran to be in front of everybody else to get a copy of Wizard's Kingdom, stepped on his coat, and skidded up to the front of the table. That's how much he wanted to... Uh, and he said, I enjoyed your talk so much. I thought, wow. Yeah. I, I think I stepped over a barrier that day, and, yeah. th and that's what helped me to where I am yeah. now. Because they're there. The best advice I ever got as a musician was from a bass player for Dr. John. I don't know if anyone knows who Dr. John is. And he said, if they're sitting there, they're already invested in you. Yeah. If they're looking at you, they, already they at least think they are interested in you. So there's nothing to be nervous about because... These people are all here to hear you speak about your book. Yeah. 
Not that you have the nerves anymore. You're much more brave, aren't you now? But Still get the that nerves. was some important advice I was given once was if they're there, they're already here to hear you, so just let them hear your natural self. Yeah. And then there's no reason to really be worried. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? You can embarrass yourself, which I do all the time at events. And I didn't, nothing happened, so it's, it's fine. Well, like I said, I feel really lucky with what I'm doing. Looking yeah. back at how I got you, um, was she hard work? Yeah. Book signings and um, giving up holidays and traveling everywhere and spending a lot of money on accommodation and food. Yeah. But I've got to where I am. Perhaps I got no right to be here, but. Um, I think you, the fact that you said you've got here on your own means that you do deserve to be here. Uh, Absolutely. I, yeah. But I enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I've stacked shelves, I've worked on conveyor belts. Um, and I thought, well, one day I don't want to be on a conveyor belt. I actually want to be doing talks and I want to be writing books. And I, I'm doing it. Yeah. And I, I come from uh, the run there. Uh, and I, I didn't have uh, loads of grades behind me. And, and I went to university. Because if we went to university when I was a kid, then it was Oxford and Cambridge, that kind of thing. Now there's a lot more opportunities out there. Mm. And uh, they've got the primary schools. I mean, in England, they've got academies. In Wales, we've got these super schools coming along. And they've got IT suites, and they've got music studios, and they can do all kinds of things now. I w I, I'd like to have my time again. I don't know what difference yeah. it would make any difference, but um, I'm just happy to be where I am. And can you gain respect yeah. in the position I'm in as well? Yeah, I think it's also a great message for the kids that you visit that you did do it yourself. Yeah. Because they can look at you and go, well, he was just like my dad. He had a regular job, and yeah. now he writes for a living, so maybe I can do that too. Because sometimes these people are un unobtainable. Musicians, actors, artists, they're unobtainable. But you, starting here in the valleys and visiting kids, you are the message to them, which is you can do it because Colin did it. Well, if anybody makes it with music, writing, poetry, acting, anything, they only got there because people bought tickets yep. for the movie or yep. bought their books or whatever. And when I see celebrities or whatever shunning people, I think they made you what you are. Yeah. And I think I think one of the best things I've heard about a film star is Tom Cruise. When they do the red carpet and all the premiere mm. and stuff, he stays there until half past ten, eleven o'clock. Yeah. Until the last fan is happy. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Definitely. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not with a massive publisher. I'm not with like um HarperCollins, Penguin, but I am traditionally published. A lot of authors are going self published now anyway. A um, lot of artists in general are going self everything now. Yeah. Musicians, paint they're all going because you don't you don't need a you don't need a big machine behind you anymore, do you? Well, there's a friend uh, a friend of mine on Facebook. He's, he's a he's a published author with 40 books behind him, 40 children's books. He's with HarperCollins. He's with Penguin. He's with um, Bloomsbury. He's with all the biggies. He's he's just written last year. He decided to do adult fiction, so he decided to do like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, but he called it Space Team. He learned how to do the covers on Photoshop. Yeah. He uh, crafty, to be honest, because he's really, he's really prolific, um, and I mean really prolific. Yeah. He can write an 80,000-word novel in three weeks. And what he does, he sends the novel out to 50 readers, and they all edit it for him. They all find mistakes. They send it back, so he doesn't need an editor. Uh, in a year, he's got seven books out called Space Team, with all different titles, quirky, funny, and he's made $120,000. And that's just by putting his stories. He said they're not great stories, but but he said he's making more money now on the self-publishing stuff yeah. than he did with the traditionally published and paying 
the agent and the publisher oh, yeah. now he's doing it all himself. Absolutely. So I, I mean, I don't want to preach on about publishing. We've all come here no. today for. Uh, but it's it's just proof that you don't need, like I said, you don't need a big machine. No. If you've got the where, if you've got Google, you can almost figure out how to do anything. These yeah, days. yeah. All the years I worked in radio, and they'd say to me, "Do you know how to use this software?" And I'd say, "Yeah, of course I do. I'm practically an expert." And then I'd go back to Google and go, "What is that software called?" And you learn just enough to not embarrass yourself, uh, to not make yourself look like a fool in front of everyone. Um, I think we can sort of get ready to close up because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you're going to read to us. But something I wanted to say was, even if you do sell this book to Steven Spielberg and you sell a hundred million copies of it and you've got a giant mansion still in the Ronda, yeah. I think I'd still be talking to the same person yeah. that I am now. And I think yeah. that's something really great about you is that I don't think you would change in the least. I think you would be the one who would stay here until every last person had an autographed book. Oh, yeah, they got to sign Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I, I think that's great about you is that uh, he's not only a talented author, he's also a really great person as well. So let's keep that. I think we have one last question from the, from the, the universe out there. How many of your friends and family are in this book? Well, not your Canadian friend, as we've gone over, <laughs> but there we go. I'm going to have a character called Matt in the next book if it kills me, John. Um, yeah, I bet he's going to be a real <laughs> jerk, too. <laughs> um, that's right. He's going to die right away, and I'm going to go, thanks for that. Two, two or three friends, I would say. Two or three friends yeah. that I know, and I know their personalities. The rest of the characters really are things I've invented. Put amalgamations of different people, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, a lot of them are unspoken, so uh, they're just, I don't know, monsters and that kind of stuff in there. Yeah. But, yeah, three or four, well, I'd say three or four uh, people that I actually know that I put in there. Um, mostly, I just have personalities of people I don't know and just use them anyway. Yeah. Like in, uh, I think it's Curious World. But this one, yeah, uh, they, they are people that I know how they'd react, but I put them in different positions as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, right then, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a reading yes, now. He's, he's going to read a portion of for us. Oh, this is and terrifying because uh, I'm reading in front of my peers. That's okay. Um, and it's going to be difficult to hold a mic as well, Matt. I know, I was going to bring you a <laughs> mic stand, but um, I, I, I forgot. But let's, uh, we've got some, we're going to make it all dramatic as well, and I'm going to put some music under him as he reads this section. And uh, then I'll come and hold the mic for you. I will. I will do that for you. But only because I like you. Let's see. Yeah, if you give us sort of where we are. <laughs> one more question. Oh, we missed one. Okay, go for it. We don't want to exclude... Quiet music. We don't want to exclude anyone. Go ahead. How do you come up with the names of the characters and the books, the names for the books? There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. How do I select the names? Uh, how do I pick, pick the characters' names? Um, must be really hard to do because you can write an incredibly creative story yeah. and then call the guy Bill, and you've kind of lost that. Well, the curious world of Shelley Bendo. I was in um, I was in the Royal Glamorgan Hospital, and there was a, a they called this patient to come in, and his name was Shadrach Scarrett. Perfect. I, I actually used I, I think he was about a hundred at the time. He's got to be long dead now. So I used that in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for Wizards Kingdom, there's a King Veltzeg. I got that from Ikea. 
is a table lamp. So <laughs> King King Veltseg in Wizards Kingdom is actually a table lamp. There you go. Um, but sometimes a name will come to me, uh, and I, 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 I just pluck it out of the air. Actually. Yeah, the medical cabinet. Um, <laughs> the, anybody know the, the Michael or Mycel used to use in your feet the powder? Mm-hmm. Uh, I changed that to Maida. That's a, that's a wizard in Wizard's Kingdom. And I, I used to take Zorton for my stomach. Uh, that sounds which, like a sci-fi villain already. Well, turned that in Zendal. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, part, part of Wizard's Kingdom. So sometimes characters will just pop up. I mean, I got Crassmont, who's based on, um, I think it's Prior Attack of Robin Hood. But that just popped in my head. Yeah. But then a silly name will pop up somewhere. Yeah. And I thought, well, I've, I've got to use that. But Shadrach Scarlet, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you must have notes or receipts all over everywhere. You must find them in your washing with little scribbles of things and little pieces of... I've gone technical. I've got a, oh, I've got a notepad right. on my phone. Uh, but I bet you still write it on paper, I do, don't you? I do, on, on Tesco's receipts. I was, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, on anything. Uh, yep. I always look into yep. my stuff yep. and study. <laughs> I'll say to Jan, you got, you got anything? Because sometimes I'm going to pen. So she has to open her purse and go, there's a receipt there. And, and, and there could be anything in there. You know what I mean? Anything. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I, you're going you're gonna to read to us, I believe. Is this the portion of the story that we did discuss? Right? So to give you a bit of a... The kids have been sneaking around in the basement of their school. And uh, they've, they've gone down... A, they've, they've found a hidden hatch and they're heading downstairs now. Is that what's... Ooh, it's going to get interesting. So... Um, We'll play some music under it, and then I'll come and hold your mic. Creepy, creepy. We'll make sure it's not too loud. There you go. (laughs) Gotta put his glasses on. I'll tell you what, I'll hold the book and you hold the mic. How does that work? Okay? Okay. Next time I'll bring you a mic stand. down the corridor, the shaft of light leading the way. Even with the light to aid them, it didn't seem any friendlier. They walked in a tight-knit group along the disused passageway. There, see? John uttered with excitement. Exactly what I told you. He was pointing eagerly and feeling rather pleased with himself. There it was, as he described, a door with a key hanging right next to it. All three stood there, waiting for John to lift the key from the hook. He held the torch just above the lock, letting the beam bathe the keyhole in a cold white glow. He turned back to look at the faces. Uh, so he turned back to look at the others, but could only see half pictures of each of their faces. But that was enough. They looked as eager and excited as he was, and scared. I'm going in, people, he announced with great vigor, as if he were readying himself for a battle of some sort. Shut up, John, Megan groaned. This isn't a deadly mission for Matrix, is it? She turned to Carol, whose eyes were wide and glassy in the light, and simply said, boys. But Carol was too immersed in the moment to acknowledge. Can we get on with this? I I just got things to do, Alan said with an edge of impatience. John gently slipped the tip of the key into the lock. The first part slid in easily, but halfway in it jarred, to a stop. He bared his teeth and tried to jiggle it into place. It wouldn't budge. 
He tried again, teasing it and forcing the metal tip to penetrate the lock. It just wasn't happening. Come on, he grunted, forcing air through his clenched teeth. Stop, John, Megan said sharply and gripped his shoulder. What? Why? He asked, still trying to force it in. Ow, that hurts, he complained. Everyone looked in Megan's direction. I don't know, she stuttered. This just doesn't feel right. She felt a wave of nerves tug at her stomach. I know I agreed to do this, but now it's so, it's so real. I got a bad feeling. Don't be so stupid, Meg. It's only a door. Carol was fully into this now and didn't want to stop. Uh, we're not going to find a dead body or anything in there, are we? Even she trembled at what she just said. Yeah, maybe she's right, Alan waited in. Perhaps this isn't such a good idea. We don't know what we're getting ourselves into. Oh, that's surprising, John added flippantly, still holding the key, and managed to get it three quarters into the lock. He'd been waiting for his chance to get back at Alan. What's that supposed to mean, John? Alan bit back. You're only siding with her because you want to go home too, he added. Alan's face reddened, but thankfully, no one could tell through the gloom of the corridor. I'm not, he stuttered. Shut it, John. Things were getting really heated. You shut it, John said, not turning around. Shut up the two of you. Come on, come on. Open it up. Carol demanded, her impatience getting the better of her. With that, the key slipped in the rest of the way and stopped at the hub. It's in, John gasped, taking in deep breaths and forgetting about the argument. With that, there was complete quiet amongst the group, their agitation forgotten. Megan was still afraid of what was happening and what she'd let herself in for. John filled with wonder at what might be ahead. Alan was only going with the flow at the moment and Carol was more excited than she'd ever been in a long time, totally out of her comfort zone. Megan knew there was no way out of this and just wanted it over. Oh, just open the bloody door, she barked. Come on, John. John, under pressure, turned the key anti-clockwise. It rotated, it rotated in surrender. The stiff metal parts that hadn't been moved for many years groaned and yielded. Clunk, that was it. John could barely breathe and instinctively pulled, but the door didn't move. There was a pause of disappointment. The lock was overcome and nothing was really holding it shut, except the years of decay that had rusted and sealed the hinges. Was he opening it the right way? He shone the torch in the gap around the door and could see that it was made to open outwards. He handed the torch to Megan, grabbed the brass handle, he pulled and pulled, but the door stayed defiant. Alan, give me a hand with this, will you? He asked, pulling with all his, with all his worth. All right, if you're too weak, of course I will, he joked. Funny guy, John retorted with a grunt, still trying to break it open. Now, with the combined weight of the two of them, it began to slowly move. First, it cracked the seal, and a huge crunch ground in their ears. Got it, John whimpered under the strain. Then it gave up completely and jarred open. There was a huge size all around. By now, they were past Kenny and just walked straight into, just walked straight in. John took the flashlight from Megan. He swept the beam along the floor of the room and then along the walls and ceiling. Besides the smell of damp and slow and some floaty cobwebs, it was empty. There was an anticlimax and everyone felt cheated. Well, that was a waste of time, John said, as the others peered over his shoulder. Oh, well, adventure over, Carol sighed, happily, more relieved than anything. Yeah, I guess so, Alan joined in. John dragged the beam across the floor once more, and as he turned to leave, 
Megan noticed something. Hold on, Megan entered. Everyone stopped. What's that? Wonderful. Thank you very much for reading that for us. And uh, I think now we're going to spend uh, a bit of time. We can, uh, you can sign some books and you guys can ask him any questions one-on-one if you'd like. But uh, thank you for coming and listening to all of us. Thank you for asking me to be here. It's really enjoyable. And uh, let's hear it for Colin and Ghosted, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to say um, thank you to Matt Lees and, and his wife, uh, Rachel, for coming along today. Uh, he, did, he does a brilliant job of hosting. I think you'll agree. Give, can you give Matt a round of applause? Brilliantly. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Yes. Um, you never know who's going to turn up at these events. And we've got like a full audience here today. A few people have come and gone because they've had to go. So um, I'm really pleased that you've come along. Thank you for coming along for little old me. I see some friends um, in the audience, author friends, friends I've known for years, and people I, I've dealt with as well. So I'll, I'll do a book signing now if you want to... I don't know, anybody want a copy of the new book, Ghosted? And look at it, Tanya. She's my stalker, by the way. I've, I've actually... Uh, <laughs> well, with fame comes many things, Colin, many things. So thank you all for coming along. Yes, and thank I'll, you. I'll do a book signing. We'll have a little bit of a mingle. Thanks again. Thank you, everyone.